Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Nassar Ahmad, and this is episode 67 of the podcast. And uh, for this particular episode, we are continuing the freelance career series where I interview uh, experts in that field who would be sharing their learnings, their insights, their experience about uh, freelancing today um, and also the gig economy. And for today's freelance career expert series episode, I'm interviewing Nathan Harris. Uh, just a quick ep, uh, bio about uh, Nathan. I'm sure he'll be giving us more into his background. Uh, he's the founder and president of Ease. Uh, Ease is a cloud-based solution, that workforce solution, that uh, helps businesses manage their independent contractors and freelance workforce all in one place, uh, in addition to providing them access to top uh, software developers, designers, copywriters, and digital strategists in the industry. So it uh, sounds like it is a marketplace and also a tool to connect and also help them manage. So uh, we'll learn more about ease. We'll learn more about the gig, gig economy. Um, hey, Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So one of the first questions I always ask my guests uh, because of the, uh, the guests I've had from around the world, I'm always curious to hear where they're calling from. So we're calling for Scottsdale, Arizona. All right. So can you share with us uh, a fun fact about Scottsdale, uh, which people may not know unless they've lived there or gone there? Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, it's probably gets up to like 115, 118 degrees during the summer and everyone thinks it's just this brown desert. But the truth is, it's very um, diverse. You can go from the mountains, you can see all the red rocks and you can go, you know, skiing in the cliffs or you can come down here and get where it's a little bit more desertish, but it's a really cool city. It's a lot, you know, a lot of pods, you know, you can go into one area where you've got old town or you've got the younger culture where you can have some fun or you can go into Phoenix. There's a little bit more Metro. Um, but the cool thing for people in regards to careers is it's one of the fastest growing tech communities in America. And a lot of people from Silicon Valley are moving here because the cost of living is lower. Issues number one in the country for innovation and they create a lot of amazing talent in the engineering um, and business space. That's actually very encouraging to hear. It seems like an upward trend right now where you don't, if you wanted to start a tech company or even work for a tech company startup, you don't have to go to Silicon Valley. There are hotbeds like Phoenix, like Scottsdale, as you mentioned. So that's actually an encouraging news that, um, the, uh, the, it used to be the gold rush where everybody used to go to San Francisco. Now mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Your own city, like you said, uh, could be where the next uh, hotbed of innovation is. Absolutely. So I'd like to start off by learning a little bit about yourself. And I'm definitely very interested in learning more about ease. So if you can tie that in yourself, you know, how you came across the, uh, came about creating the platform. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is I came up with the concept when I was uh, about 22, 23 years old after a really terrible business experience. I was in the process of building up a company and helping someone to launch it and uh, it didn't go as planned. And I was sitting on my couch one day and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I was sick of working for other people and I wanted to be able to control my own destiny. So I started researching things in the marketing space and 
figuring out how I could become a consultant uh, to small businesses, creating enterprise level solutions that were affordable for the everyday business owner. And the only way that I could do that was by leveraging the power of freelancers. So I stumbled upon a couple of sites and I started looking at data and I started getting pretty amazed by that data and realizing that there was this massive trend that was coming over the next five to six years. And then by 2020, over 50% of our workforce is going to be independent contractors. And I started wondering why that was. And it was very clear, you know, millennials came about in a time where social media was so prevalent in their lives and they had access to things that they, but other generations didn't, you know, they were able to go on social media and see in other people's lives that they aspired to be. And they were able to map out how to get there by watching them and each, every step that they take, whether it be through Snapchat, Instagram, everything, social media has such an impact on the way that they perceive their possibilities in their life and what they aspired to. So when they came to work every day, it wasn't like, Oh, I want to sit here and work this nine to five in this cubicle. I want to make a living, retire and support my family. You know, that was a baby, baby boomer and antiquated process or thought process that was in the past. But today what people really want is to live life fulfilled. So I always told people, and I told my bosses when I quit my last job is that I want to live or work to better my life. I don't want to live to better my work. So I want to create a job that it matches my passions, it matches my purposes and the things that I want to accomplish. So as I was sitting there figuring out how I could create this, I realized that the best way to do it was to find a way to bring all these people together that had the same views and see exactly what they needed. So I built a community online and we started to reach out to those people and collect data and realize that, you know, the best way to grow is through collaboration and that we don't necessarily want to work for a company that believes that it's just an economic entity. We want a company that believes that it has a purpose and, and, a, and a mission and that it has something that matches who we want to be. So we go into those businesses with the goal of growing rapidly and learning a skill more so than we are going there to have a long-term stay. You know, millennials are very different in what they want from life. And I realized that. So when I was creating Ease, the first thing I wanted to do was develop a culture. And then from there, we decided to build a platform. Because once I understood what those people needed and that human capital was the number one driving force, I then started to figure out how I can create a monetization of that. So the name also came from that, you know, ease stands for entrepreneurs adapting to serve each other. And the tagline is architects of your dreams, because through collaboration, we can achieve almost anything. We don't necessarily have to, you know, go to an organization or an agency to create. We now can go on our computer, learn everything that we need to, and we can kick skills. Instead of going to get a $60,000 a year job, we can go make three to $4,000 a month from one client just from the skills we're able to develop online. You know, I'm a college dropout. I, I didn't graduate with a degree, but I was able to learn everything that I needed by researching and taking the time to realize that as much effort as you can put in is a reward that you will get. And that doesn't always apply when you work for somebody else's business. You can work every single day and they want you to wait 10 years or five years to get promoted. But in a millennial's mind, it's I want to be able to grow as fast as I can learn. So how can I do that? And that's why we created Ease. And we also realized that, you know, being in the Midwest where I was at the time in Milwaukee is they have a really difficult time finding access to good tech talent. So in order to get access to that talent, they have to fly people in or they have to try to tap into universities and pay massive amounts to, you know, be a part of these career fairs and do all these things to recruit or they go to companies, um, you know, like staffing agencies and they're paying these massive fees. Well, I thought to myself, it's like, well, 
The issue is they don't have access to talent due to their geographic location. Well, what if we create a platform that allows them to manage those individuals? We go out and find those individuals and make sure that they're the proper match for that business, not only with skills, but also culturally. Because you can't just stick somebody in and say, that, hey, they're a full stack developer, they're going to be successful. They need to have experience in their background and understanding of that industry, understanding of what their goals are. And if they align with that business, then you'll be successful. And then the next thing you need to do is figure out how to take all those individuals that are freelancers working remotely and bring them together. So we basically created a model that allows people in flyover states like the Iowa, Milwaukee's, the, the areas that don't have the Silicon Valley talent. And we recruited the individuals from the West and gave them remote access to them. So now they're able to grow beyond the talent that they have in a geographic area and they're able to grow limitlessly because we can bring them the talent to their doorstep. Interesting. So you, you've, you've covered a lot of great points here and I want to cover, I want to expand on a few of those. Uh, the, one of them being, uh, I think one of the highlights you said was 50%, by 2020, 50% of the workers would be independent contractors. That means yep. one in two people would, one in two employees would adapt the independent contractor or freelancer route. Uh, something I want to talk about. You also spent a little bit uh, talking about the challenges faced by businesses. Uh, we all know staffing agencies is, uh, uh, it's an industry that's been around for many years. However, it is inefficient. Business owners always struggle with hiring good talent, but by hiring a freelancer, they're then able to reduce some of the risk. And we'll cover that in a bit. But I want to talk about the freelancer contractor side. I'm just curious. So you, you, you said that social media uh, is, is one of the enablers of this economy, but I'm also asking from a strict motivation point of view, I'd like you to expand on why, let's say millennials or current job seekers are uh, moving towards the freelance route than uh, full-time employment. I would like, I'd love to, for you to expand yeah. on that. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, if you really look at life, I mean, you want to be able to experience things. You want to be able to travel. You want to have some autonomy. And a lot of times corporations don't allow you to do that. You have to live your entire life working for somebody that gives you two weeks off a year. And it feels almost enslaving. Like, no one likes that, that constant grind and they only get a break whenever they can and they're allowed to. And a lot of times you don't even get that two weeks. I mean, I know people that have worked for companies for three to four years and they've never taken more than three days off that burns you out and it doesn't make you feel valued. So as a digital nomad, that that's becoming extremely appealing because I can literally be sitting on a beach with a coconut working as long as I have Wi-Fi, and I can do great work. You don't have to see me in order for me to do great work. I'm actually motivated to do even more work and better work when I'm able to control it and to be able to work what times are best for me. So what we do is we focus on giving people end day goals. Hey, your project is due on the 11th. I don't care how you get there. As long as it's done, that's all we care about because that allows you to one, not everybody's made for that. You know, they're not self-starters, but if you are, you can literally live a most fulfilled life and make a six-figure income regardless of where you are. You just have to be able to open up your computer at a coffee shop or a bar and get down the business. So that's why people are, are more appealing to do that because as millennials, we sit there every single day watching our phones more than we watch the television. Everyone's got their own reality TV show. It could be Snapchat. It could be Instagram. I mean, I'm live streaming this right now so that I can give people a deeper look into what my life is like. So if you choose to do what I do for a living, then go after it and chase your dreams because this is all a part of my story. 
you know, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I know if I hustle hard enough, it can get me somewhere. And everybody sees that now. And it's the first time in history that you're able to do that where nobody can tell you what you can and cannot achieve. It's all based upon how much you're willing to learn and how hard you're willing to work. So millennials know that because the internet made this possible. We have access to knowledge, abundance of knowledge, limitless knowledge, and we can apply it immediately. So that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful process. And it's so amazing being able to go out and experience different markets. You know, until I got out of Milwaukee and then, and I started traveling and going to different cities like Austin, Texas, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, and all these Western uh, states, I didn't even know these things that I'm doing right now were even possible. So that's what happens is you see what else is out there via social media and it drives you to want more from life. And that then affects your work because your work takes up most of your time. So you have to then figure out is, Hey, if I really want to aspire to achieve my dreams, I need to make a decision right now. And it's either I continue to follow the antiquated thought process of working with a nine to five, and then I get to get off whenever they tell me I can, and I'll get a 5% raise every year, maybe, or I can go out and work for myself. It'll be a lot harder, but that's what we created ease. It's so that you focus only on what you're good at and we'll find the deals for you. And then you just have to work, 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 work. And then your potential is limitless. You can travel whenever you choose and you can make great money. You can go and join the freelancers union and you can get a 401k. You can get benefits. I mean, there's a lot more things being created every single day that make this more possible. So by 2020 or even today, you can literally have the same security as working at a corporation as a freelancer. And people just don't know it yet. But the word is getting out and the market's growing. I mean, last year, the freelance market reached $1 trillion in America alone. And that's not just software and digital. I mean, that's everything. Look at Uber, you know, those drivers. And look at all the other on-demand workforce solutions that are out there. And this is a massive market and everybody's approaching it in a different way. But regardless, it's making people change the way that they do things. And especially the way companies lead. How are you going to maintain a company and, and maintain talent and get people to come and work in your office when they see what the other possibilities are? So the only thing that you could do now is have a cultural shift and start thinking about how can I motivate millennials to have a work-life balance and be motivated and inspired to work for me? And that's why I think these movements are happening because some companies are getting on board and some companies aren't. But it's happening faster and faster as they have a harder time hiring. I mean, last year... Jobs available for certain skilled jobs um, were higher than hires because these companies, even today, they can't even get people to work for them, not because of pay, but because of a lifestyle decision. So a few interesting points. I want to summarize what he said. So I asked you why freelancing is a big trend. Some of the takeaways for me here, if I can summarize, is flexibility, autonomy, and uh, you know they are able to do some – the challenge of doing different projects. Uh, so – uh, instead of working for one company and doing only one those projects, you have the flexibility as a freelancer to work on different projects and expand your horizon. So uh, I totally see the value, right? You can grow a lot faster. Yeah, exactly, because you get different perspective. Uh, let's say you give an example of a designer. Uh, you could be a designer for a retail store. Tomorrow you can do, uh, next week you can do a project in a restaurant, next week on a consulting company. You're expanding your horizon, and the more you do uh, as a freelancer, you're also making yourself more valuable. Um, and I'm not sure about this. You're the expert. So what about, I'm, I also heard that they can charge more money. 
<laughs> right? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It's, I mean, if you're a freelancer, you're kind of like this special like median where a company's used to going to an agency and they're paying all these massive fees. So say you want to get a website built out. An agency may charge you twelve to $15,000. Well, I'm a freelancer that works, or say I'm an employee. I'm only getting paid maybe $50,000, $60,000 a year, and I'm building these websites that are getting farmed out um, to these companies at this massive price. And then I realized to myself that, well, I'm the one doing all that work. They're selling it. Why don't I just take the median where it's like I'll charge you $6,000, maybe $8,000 for the same website. You're paying less, but I'm making more, and I can do four or five of those a month. Now you literally quadrupled your income, and you're able to do it on your own terms. Interesting. Uh, I, I wanted to expand further. You, you did give some examples of Uber. You talk about programmers. Uh, on your platform and in your experience, which particular uh, field of freelancing is growing or has the most demand today? Oh, man, it's unbelievable how much content in social media and digital marketers are in demand right now. Our number one thing right now is everybody wants to develop a better relationship-based social selling strategy where companies realize that people aren't responding to ads anymore. They're not responding to just, hey, purchase this now, and et cetera. You need to create a personal connection with your customers. So we build strategies based on the experience we've had from different clients in different markets that create a personal connection between you and other retailers or other affiliates, and we develop a strategy for you. So people are demanding, 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 demanding content managers, ad buyers, and just overall digital strategists and growth marketers, because that's how you're going to get the best bang for your buck is because you look at social media differently now as it becomes the number one driver of purchasing decisions out there. It's something that you need to get on board with. And a lot of companies waited a very long time to do so. So they're calling on experts to help them get there. And I really think that that's something that a lot of people can get after. And it's not something that's necessarily difficult to learn if you are in the right place. Right. So, you don't have to go to college to be a content marketer. You basically have to have a certain thought process where you can connect with somebody's vision and bring it to life. You can create content pieces. You can create strategies. You can look into the buyer personas and behaviors of those individuals. And you can create marketing that targets them specifically. So that's what I think a lot of people should definitely get into is uh, content marketing is because that is not going anywhere anytime soon as, as different social platforms add more and more features um, that allow people to connect better with their customers. You know what, as you're talking a lot about content marketing, it actually makes me feel good because uh, my full time, I work for a co- company that creates content marketing software, Atomic Reach. My, uh, this podcast is part of my site, which is totally built, careermedis.com, which is totally built on content marketing. So I'm happy to hear <laughs> from you that, you know, maybe I'm on the right path as well. So that's, that's good to hear. Uh, so, Here's a question, right? So uh, freelancing is, for most people, it's outside their comfort zone. So especially for someone for the last five to 10 years who's worked as a 10 uh, full-time employee. And I hear this a lot, or there's enough, there's not enough business out there, not enough companies out there or who want my services, or there's a lot of competition, uh, people doing the same thing that I do. Going back to content marketing example or digital marketing example, so what do you what, what do you say to those people? Like especially if they are uh, concerned about competition or cutting through the noise. 
Well, the thing is, is it definitely is outside of your comfort zone to become a freelancer because you're stepping on your own and the feast or famine mentality is the number one barrier for people taking a leap. And that's why we created ease. But then there's also things out there like Upwork and freelancer.com, which I'm not necessarily like knocking or anything, but it's just a massive pool, right? Where you're competing with offshore and, and every single market, regardless of the value of their dollar. So like you can compete with somebody that is doing the same thing as you and they're going to do it for like 10 bucks an hour, but you're charging 50. So then you got to lower your prices. That is definitely a barrier that a lot of people face by going on those platforms. But the thing that separates you regardless of your skill level is your brand. So to become a freelancer and to be a, a higher end earning freelancer, you have to develop a personal brand. You can't just go out there and just say, hey, pick me. I know how to build websites. Great. 20 million other people do as well. So if you develop an identity and develop a purpose and you develop, you know, this thing that people gravitate and you're able to showcase the clients you're closing and the way that you're different than everyone else and the results that come from it, you're going to have no problem closing deals. And especially if you come to us, it's where we're not looking to have millions of freelancers in our database. Our focus is, hey, let's go to the companies and see what they need. And they hire us to build out remote teams for them. So we never have a decaying pool of people. We focus on a boutique style approach, where we only take the best so we can drive the best results for the companies that we see that are adopting this principle. So if you're going to be a freelancer and you're afraid of really getting out there and crushing it and, you know, then it's not for you, you know, because you're going to start off slow. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a different change because you're managing yourself and you're managing your projects and you're managing your social media and you have to run blogs and you have to post online. There's so many things where like you're essentially a business within yourself. You know, freelancers and an entrepreneur are hand in hand. They both are working on developing something that's supposed to help other people and they have to manage the entire identity of it online as they grow it. So that's really going to be your number one barrier. But once you get over that hump and you get used to it and you get used to posting content and you get used to showcasing who you are and really branding yourself, it gets easier. You know, it took me forever to really start pushing content or even put a live stream of like I'm doing right now because it's more of the, the fear of judgment or the fear of what people may think. Once you get past that and you're like, hey, you know what? This is my livelihood and I need to show the world what I'm about then you're going to grow. And those are the freelancers that are killing it. There are freelancers that are millionaires and they don't even, they don't even showcase it. They're just like, Hey, you know, I'm working, don't work for massive companies. I'm going to work for 500, 500 companies. And I'm just really excited, you know, to be building something for somebody. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that I've connected with that, you know, grow these Facebook groups, you know, I mean, you know, Josh, you know, Fetcher or Juan Campos, these guys are basically creating these pods where they're like, Hey guys, let's all collaborate and help accelerate each other towards a growth. And that's another thing about freelance is just the world of collaboration. And that's really what helps people grow. Because if you're a graphic designer and you have a company that is growing and all of a sudden you're like, all right, well you built our brand. We're ready to build a website now. You can then refer them to a developer. And then from there you refer them to a content marketer. And then from now you've got three guys that you trust. And you can then circulate business between the three of each other. So every time one person closes the client, they can refer it to the other client. So you create your own ecosystem. So that's really like the key is like build a brand, build an ecosystem and a team, and then your potential will pretty much be limitless. 
Nathan, thanks for covering the, I was going to ask the question. So when I asked about the fear and the comfort zone, my next question was going to be, what can they do to get started? I think you've done a very good job. And thanks for covering my question before me asking. <laughs> uh, so, so I think by now you've covered a lot of ground here, right? You talked about why freelancing, what is happening, what are some of the hardest trends and what, they, what can they do to get started? I want to switch gears because your, your platforms, the other part of your platform is businesses that are looking to hire people. Uh, and as I mentioned briefly in the beginning, Hiring is a challenge, and one of the topics we cover on careermatters.com is uh, recruiting and hiring. It's no matter what you, a single person business, a, a multinational a company with 10,000 employees, you are struggling with um, hiring freelancers. So, so this is maybe a question for you. What are some of the benefits uh, a company that has seen by hiring a freelancer over? Uh, putting an ad and going through resumes and hiring a full-time employee. Um, so the way that we kind of approach businesses is one, like you're going to save money no matter what by hiring a freelancer, because ever since, you know, healthcare issues have come into play that drives up your cost of hiring. Um, defining your talent costs a lot of money. Training that t- talent costs a lot of money, but the way that businesses are growing and things are innovating so quickly, say you are, I mean, we typically target people that are focusing on digital solutions so our company is like, all right, you want to build a new product in the next six months. Well, after that six months sprint is up, you may not need that employee anymore. But if you follow the traditional model, you have to either lay them off, you have to pay unemployment, you have all these different issues, and now you just wasted all this money going through this massive hiring process. So by coming with us, it's like, all right, we're going to give you what you need over the next six months on demand, and when it's done, it's done. And then we can transition to staffing you with a different solution. So we built your product out. Now it's time to launch that product. Now it's time to market that product. And those are the different things that we can plug and play as you need, which you didn't have that flexibility and agility in the past because you needed to hire them full time. You need to create full time benefits and all these different things. So you're saving 30 to 40% by targeting freelancers and you're grabbing and you're growing rapidly. Um, So that's one benefit is the cost savings. And the other one is, like I said, is access to talent outside of your geographic location. So, you know, you need a full stack developer, an engineer in a certain space, and you may not have the exact guy. You may find someone, but they may not be the best fit. So why limit yourself? You know, allow yourself to see where people are and what's the best fit for you nationally. Um, and then you, because you're competing on a national scale to this day, you know, especially online, you need to have the best people um, in your arsenal. So that's another one. And so it's, you know, cost savings, access to talent. Um, and then we kind of need to train these people because the workforce is tra- is changing. And some of the people that own the businesses that we're going after are great business owners. They've built awesome companies and they just aren't used to what's going on and they don't really understand it. You know, they just have followed what they've known, but they're understanding that, Hey, you know what, maybe it's time for me to change that just a little bit. So we will educate them. We will teach them on how to be used to working with people that you've never met before. You know, and I am a practitioner. Nothing that I offer my clients is something that I don't practice myself. I have built this company up, and I've never met a single one of my team members in person. Ever. That's remarkable. It's like we have our, our head of growth. We have all these interns. We have you know, all the people that we're doing for recruiting and staffing, every single one of our clients and all the people we're staffing, all of our freelancers, I've never met any of them before. We've done this, digital talks and Zooms, but we've never met because it doesn't matter. 
you don't need to see each other to be good at what we do. We're all committed to our goals. So we show these companies that, hey, don't be afraid of not having the guy right next to you so you can look on him in his cubicle to see if he's on a cell phone. That's just going to make him pull away from you. Instead, say, hey, you know what? These are the objectives that we need to accomplish over the next quarter, six months, a year. And these are the things that we're going to create that, and these are the, essentially the, the platforms of projects, right? So it also challenges them to forecast. You can't just hire somebody and not have direction. We're going to build an entire project that has dates, due dates and, and times and things that need to be done, meeting notes, all this stuff. So it holds you accountable to, as a leader, but it also holds them accountable as an employee or a contractor even though they are remote. So that's really what it, what it comes down to is, you know, you get the cost savings, you get the agility um, and you get access to talent and you just get to grow a lot faster for a lot less money. So it's kind of a win, win, win. So, wow. So you covered a lot of benefits, right? Uh, one, I think I'm one of the, the only objection I think uh, I can think of, or maybe you have an answer for this is what about culture? So there are people out there, small startups, right? Startups are known for this. They're known for Silicon Valley pushing culture. So if someone brings that up, says that to you as a, as a, as an owner of a business that is a startup that is growing, how, how do you handle that? Or how do you overcome that objection? It all depends on what you define as, you know, a success. And for me, I made it a priority and I've told myself that Ease will never have like some physical office. You know, as we grow, we may have a data center, but I purposely created the culture of a digital nomadic scalable startup where everyone has the ability to live the life that we preach. So your culture is defined by what you define as a success. So like if you think that, you need everybody in your office. You need some kind of work life. You know, you want ping pong tables and all that stuff. That's fine. Maybe this is not for you, but in terms of having a remote employee being able to impact your culture, add value to your culture, I think that they can, because I can still feel somebody's passion through a screen. I don't need them to be sitting right in front of me. I can still get on board with a mission um, that is going to help people or create a new solution that changes the world. I don't need to be there. So I think that culture isn't necessarily uh, the barrier, but it does have some impact, right? Where some employers are, man, like, all right, well, if I bring on this remote guy and he's doing all these things, what about my employees that do have to come to the office every day? Like, do I have to change how I manage them? And the answer actually is yes. You have to either add some additional value or you have to make it so that when they come to work, it doesn't necessarily feel just like work, but there's still held accountable to a standard. So, you know, let people feel valued and then you won't have that kickback. Um, the other challenge, I guess you could also think about um, with this is the, the shift of, of being able to manage a remote worker. Um, a lot of people fail to be able to do that because they have to go online. They have to manage, they have to message them, they have to hold them accountable where if they're in the office, they can turn and say, Hey, John, you should get this done real quick. Boom. Or, Right now, you got to put it in Slack. But what if they're not online? You know, there's certain things that you have to, you know, kind of plan for. But if you set the project timeline up ahead of time, um, you're better in the long run. So there's a difference, and there's some challenges, but they're all things that just have to are just changing your thought process. They're excellent. That I think that is a very convincing argument, and thank you very much for that. So Nathan, we have covered a lot of ground here, right? So we started off talking about 
what the freelance economy is. We talked about the benefits for individuals who want to be freelancers. Then we spend the last half talking about the benefits for businesses. So very informative. And after listening to this, if uh, the listeners of my podcast, careermedis.com wants to listen, uh, I actually, actually want to reach out to you or learn more about you. What is What are the best ways? Um, some of the best ways to get a hold of me are probably going to be via email if you want to contact me directly, nathan at itsease.com. Otherwise, go to itsease.com or visit my personal website at nathanharris.us. Um, our handles on social media for ease are itsease. And my personal handles for everything is nathan underscore d underscore Harris. Um, I'm always talking about culture. I'm always talking about workforce development and shifts um, in, the, in America. So if you want to learn more about that or how to pursue your passions and break through some of the barriers that you encounter along the way, then follow me. I love to offer value to anyone, anybody that wants to contact me. You know, I'm open book, so feel free to. All right. And thank you very much. And I'll make sure to share all those links and resources, as you mentioned, when I'm launching the episode and with the show notes. Uh, with that, uh, we are coming to the uh, close of our recording here. Uh, so before we wrap up, anything else that you would like me to, that you would like to share to say to the audience? No, I think that's it. You know, I'm just really excited to see this industry growing as fast as it is. And anybody that's thinking about joining in the freelance economy, the time is now. Um, over the next two to five years, it's going to be the best thing that you ever did because you get to live life in the way that most people dream of, completely free um, and still able to make a great living. So if that's something that you're looking to do, reach out to us or any freelance platform that you think is best for you. But don't wait anymore. Just do it. Awesome. Nathan, uh, Nathan, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing your insights and wisdom. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And everyone else, thank you very much for uh, listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary of the interview with uh, links at, and resources to Nathan's websites. Uh, if you enjoyed this particular episode, learn something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if, as you all know, we love reviews. If you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share, share your reviews and also share the episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis podcast. Thank you.